that's here in this place. We're thankful that you're a God that loves us and wants to know us and have that relationship with us. Lord, I pray that you just open hearts to receive today what you have. Lord, as we celebrate mothers, as we look to your word, as we receive from you today, Lord, we just pray that we would we would not leave here without everything that you have for us. And we're thankful for it. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Would you let our worship team know how much you appreciate them leaving us to worship this morning? It is Mother's Day, and I know that for many people, there's a wide range of emotions and uh, feelings that go into a day like today. And so I have something that I want to read that I think covers our sentiment and our heart that we want to convey today on, on Mother's Day. And this says, uh, the wide spectrum of mothering. To those who gave birth this year to their first child, we celebrate with you. To those who lost a child this year, we mourn with you. To those who are in the trenches with little ones every day and wear the badge of food stains, we appreciate you. To those who experience loss through miscarriage, failed adoptions, or running away, we mourn with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility, fraught with pokes, prods, tears, and disappointment, we walk with you. Forgive us when we say foolish things. We don't mean to make it harder than it is. To those who are foster moms, mentor moms, and spiritual moms, we need you. To those who have warm and close relationships with your children, we celebrate you. To those who have disappointment, heartache, and distance with your children, we sit with you. <coughs> to those who lost their mothers this year, we grieve with you. To those who experienced abuse at the hands of your own mother, we acknowledge your experience. To those who lived through driving tests, medical tests, and the overall testing of motherhood, we're better for having you in our midst. To those who have aborted children, we remember them and you on this day. To those who are single and long to be remarried and mothering your own children, we mourn that life has not turned out the way you longed for it to be. To those who step parent, we walk with you on these complex paths. To those who envisioned lavishing love on grandchildren and yet that dream has not yet to be, we grieve with you. To those who have emptier nests in the upcoming year, we grieve and we rejoice with you. To those who place children up for adoption, we commend you for your selflessness and remember how you hold that child in your heart. And to those who are pregnant with new life, both expected and surprised, we anticipate with you. This Mother's Day, we walk with you. Mothering is not for the faint of heart, and we have real warriors in our midst. Happy Mother's Day. Would you put your hands together and just celebrate all of the women that we have here who are a part of this church. We're excited and, and uh, looking forward. We've been planning uh, this day for a little while now, and we wanted to make it special for all of the women in our church. And um, as I was thinking, what can we do for women in our church just to celebrate who they are and this special day? And I was thinking back to... Uh, uh, about a year ago, maybe 10 months ago or so, as we were at the kettle corn at the farmer's market, I was thinking right across from our kettle corn, there were these amazing cupcakes that were a tremendous source of temptation. 
And I was thinking, man, it would be awesome if we had those cupcakes, because they're the best cupcakes in town, if we had a cupcake for every, every woman in our church today on Mother's Day. And so I did a little bit of investigation and found the source of those incredible, amazing cupcakes. And so I'm happy to report we, we have cupcakes today for all of the women that are here. And these are amazing. If you've never had one of these cupcakes, your life is about to change for the better. It's going to be good. But not only am I excited because we have cupcakes here, um, but Ruth Williams is here with us today. And she is the, the uh, author of these cupcakes, the source. Uh, and um, it's incredible, the story uh, behind them, because it's not just... A cupcake it's not just a business but it's so much more and so I don't want to steal any of her fire or share any of her story but Ruth Williams is here and she's going to share today about how this whole uh, thing with these cupcakes came about and the purpose for it uh, the, the cause behind it all that kind of stuff and um, we're excited to celebrate her as a woman in our community that does incredible things just like the women in this church and in our lives do incredible things every day so would you help me Put your hands together and welcome Ruth Williams today to share with us. We're so excited to have you here. Thank you for being here Thanks and being a part of this day. Thank you. I am so excited to be here. I'm not used to speaking into a microphone, so please forgive me. Um, I love this place. I love this church. It reminds me of home. My, I grew up in England and my my cousin was a pastor and we used to go to his church as teenagers and uh, it was it was has a whole feeling like this and the spirit is here and i appreciate that so thank you and thank you for your welcome um i appreciate what you just said my, i have a daughter who is am i talking loud enough i'm not used to these um i have a daughter who has been trying for a baby for six years and mother's day is especially hard for her so i appreciate that i have six kids um, our youngest are 17, they're at the high school, the twins, they're cheerleaders at the high school if you know them. Um, but anyway, I'm here to share um, what kind of my journey in motherhood, as it is, um, with a group of children in Cambodia um, who have been rescued from trafficking. Um, and I'm going to keep it as, I don't want any children to hear this, but... Um, but I, I'm, I'm not going to get too graphic or anything. Um, so, but basically, it's a story of how the Savior loves us and how I've experienced his love in my life in the most unexpected ways um, and how this all happened. So, um, we, we uh, and, and I had a very, a very sacred experience about two years ago um, with the Savior in Cambodia. And I, I want to tell you about that experience, but first I'm going to tell you some background of how this all happened. So about when we moved here 15 years ago, um, just been here a little while, and I went to a hairdresser's, sitting there reading a magazine, and I never read magazines because when you've got six kids you don't have time. But no, and I also I run a daycare, that's my job. I run, a, I run Puddle Ducks Daycare, so that's what I do for work. And um, when we moved here, I was at the hairdressers, and, and let me give you a bit of background. I'm the kind of person, I'm like an ostrich with its head in the sand. I don't like to hear about bad stuff. Don't watch the news, didn't used to watch the news for that reason. Can't stand any kind of abuse towards children, elderly people, stuff like that. 
I was at this, uh, this uh, can't watch that Schindler's List. You see, and my husband has tried to get me to watch that and can't do it, can't get past the first five minutes. But anyway, we um, was at the hairdressers, opened this magazine, flipping through, looking at all the lipsticks, that kind of stuff. And there, before I had a chance to turn the page and avoid it, was a picture of a little girl just laying lifeless on a bed, naked, five years old, and she'd just been rescued from sex trafficking. And uh, her eyes just met mine, and it broke my heart just right then, and I couldn't put it down. So I read the article, and it was a good thing I did, but it was hard to do. Read the article, it was about a woman in Cambodia who's a sex, who was a slave herself, who escaped by marrying one of the Johns at 17. Um, who has gone back and one by one rescues these kids off the street. She's a modern day Mother Teresa. And growing up, my hero in the whole world is Mother Teresa, so I love her. And so to hear this woman, and she's literally, she stands like this high on me, she's tiny. And even if I'm wearing flats, and um, she's just the sweetest lady, but she's rescued over 7,000 children. Started with one, and just went then two, then four, then six, and then her house was full and her husband couldn't handle it. And then she divorced, and pretty soon she had the funding to build three houses and grew, and she's rescued over 7,000 <coughs> children. But um, this little girl broke my heart, and when I went home that night, I was just angry, just very angry, and I tried to just get it out and I swear and just get really upset. And my husband finally said, you've got to find this woman and, and connect with her. I think it will be healing. So that's what I did. I did some research and um, looked, looked her up, looked up her organization. And it took some doing. Back then, she wasn't very well known. Um, but it wasn't enough to be in a, in a, a national magazine. And... Um, I found her, and this is the weird part of the story, and to this day we cannot explain it. I found her email address, I sent her an email, expecting it to be just like a fan letter, just amazing work, congratulations, what can we do to help you in the United States, that kind of thing. And I got back a response the next day, and I wasn't expecting that. And this is the weird part, I found out years later, She's never published her email address, not her personal email address. Her organization has, you know, people it goes through, but never her own. And so that was my little miracle right there. But I asked her about the little girl in the picture. Uh, she was five years old, sold the day her mother died. And uh, she was kept in <coughs> horrible circumstances for two years before my friend was able to rescue her. By the time she was rescued, she had no hair, she's covered in lesions, bruising, disease. Um, she has AIDS and HIV, which she still has. Um, but I said, Is it, can, I, can I do anything for her? And I thought the whole world was helping, but apparently not. And she said, oh yeah, somebody sent a package to our girls last year from Italy. That was it, that's all the help they're getting. So I asked if I could write, if I could send stuff to this little girl. And it became a monthly thing. And um, the first thing I ever sent her was a pair of pink pajamas, pink princess pajamas. And Somali, my friend, would send me pictures back almost every day of little Stray Mac. I was supposed to call her Mel, that's her 
we're not supposed to give the real names, but anyway, um, I, she'd sent me back these pictures of Mal wearing these these pajamas till they were rags. I mean, she wore them every day, and um, and it about broke my heart. And I realised she'd never owned a pair of pajamas before. And um, this little girl became very special to me. And the months went by, the years went by. She wasn't expected to live a year, um, and she did. She did great. And uh, my friend became more prominent and uh, was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize for Women. And I was flown out there to Los Angeles to meet her and to um, be part of the, the ceremony. And, and in that ceremony, she, she bowed to me. And it was probably the most amazing time in my life to realize what I was doing for Little Stray Mac was nothing. It was just once a month, a letter, a gift. And yet, Somali in that speech attributed what I'd done to saving her. And basically, her message was that it doesn't take money to save a child, it takes love. And, um, and that was her message, because everyone there, they paid 500 bucks a head just to buy a plate of food and walk the red carpet. Um, but her message was, thank you for your money, but really it just takes love. And so I, I, um, we got together after that, and I asked her if, because it was becoming hard, I'd get these pictures of little Shrey Mac every month, um, but there's all these other girls. And so then it became a church project, and then it became a community project, and I would try and get people involved to, to send things to these kids. And people were great, but it was like a one-time thing. And people get <laughs> fired up, but then it, it's gone the next month. So I thought, I need to start something that I find other women who are gonna do this every month, like I do for Srimad. And we thought, godmothers, we're like godmothers to them. And, um, and that's what it was at first, we called ourselves Godmother. So I found women who were interested writing once a month to one little girl because Somali attributed just what I had done for Stray Mac to saving her or giving her hope, that was it, it was just this hope, this belief that there was a woman who loved her as a mother on the other side of the world. She didn't know that she would ever meet me, but she knew I was there and every month I was there for her. So we started this, um, we, at the time we had 40 children at the orphanage, and uh, we have 86 now, it varies because we have new girls saved and then girls move on, and it's just been a fantastic program, it's grown. This year I'm so happy to, to tell you the Cambodian government, who there's been some corruption, has finally kicked in and has recognised the girls and they're building them a three-storey orphanage, which basically, covers what, what I could do in cupcakes in. I mean, I could never do that many cupcakes. But, um, so, anyway, this little girl, this is, this is Stray Mag a couple years ago. She's 19 now, but and I don't show the pictures of her as a child because it makes me sad. But um, anyway, it wasn't long after that, I knew I needed to visit her, I was terrified. My friend's daughter had just been kidnapped and sold into Thailand, or they tried to, they gained anyway and sold her into Thailand and uh, luckily she was rescued but because of that having five daughters of my own and a son I I was scared to become that involved so I held off a few years but when Stray Mac was about eight or nine I went to visit her and um, by then I had god godmothers going and I had all these women's help and I had a lady come with me and um, 
Anyway, over the years it's changed. We call it heart mothers now because they're Buddhist and we respect that and we don't want to offend them. Not that we're trying to take God away from them because I believe he's absolutely with them, but we needed to change it to, to heart mothers. Um, and the symbol is, is the, the heart, the symbol of the heart. Because the girls, we speak a universal language of love and they all, they all, all the time. Most of our girls speak English now. Um, so the girls range in age from, well, we have two babies, two, a two-year-old and a three-year-old right now um, that were rescued. But most of our girls, the average age is 13. Um, we have girls up to 18. Shrey Mack is now 19, um, <coughs> but she's staying on at the center because she's one of the, um, she likes to be able to help the younger and her English isn't good enough to get a scholarship yet. But um, so the, what we do, what I do, is I find a mother. Every month, the women send me their letters. I'm contracted with AFSIP, that's her Somalis organization, to, to check them, make sure there's no proselyting. There's have to be very careful not to break their rules. Um, and then send them. And then if there's any missing, I have to fill in so that I, I cannot send that box until every single child has a letter because, and I get on the phone and trust me, I can, I can tell these women, I can call them every day till they get me that letter. And we very rarely have women who give up with this because it is a, 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 a lifetime passion. But anyway, um, so I guess my message is, um, you don't have to be perfect to, I feel like the Heavenly Father led me to this work, I really do. I believe it was my little miracle that I got involved with them. They've changed my life. I go every January now and see them. And the greatest thing in the world that can keep me baking all year, and I do, I bake every night, is when I'm driving that little tuk-tuk up through, we go through villages and we go through crazy, crazy places. But then we, we pull in. Our center is hidden. It's very hidden away from the town because brothel owners have tried to come get, get their girls back. So it's hidden, I don't even know the address. They, they, it's a very secretive thing. Um, I know the office address, but not the, anyway, we go. I pull in and before I get there, I hear, mommy, mommy, mom. And, and 80, 60, 80 girls all come running at me. And, and you can't even get out the tuk-tuk, they're all grabbing you and loving you, and it's, it's the most beautiful thing. And of course, the first one there, every time, is Mack, who literally thinks I'm her mum. I have become her literal mum. And, um, and it's beautiful, it's just been an incredible thing. Um, but I guess the, the message is, I, I'm not a perfect person, I'm really not. I have many sins, many problems. Um, but if the Lord can, can help me go from one child, three Mac, and now I have all these girls, and it. Um, I just think that's a miracle that that he he loves us enough to be personally involved in our lives, however imperfect we are. You know, we thought we think about some of the prophets, some of the characters from the Old Testament. Jonah ran away. He ran away from from his mission at first, and then he he literally got swallowed by a whale. But um, and and Peter depart from me, I'm, I'm not good enough, you know. We all feel like we're not good enough, but now I'm blessed to know I have 86 women, mostly in the United States, but all over the world now, who are 
some of them, I have two women who were kidnapped and, and literally lost their families as children and now they're reaching out and they want to help a child who suffered. We have women who've never had children who want to be a mum. Have women who have lots of kids who just have that love they want to share. And it's, it's, it's been a really just a tremendous thing for me to be part of their lives and to see the love and to read the love they give every month to that little girl. It's a, it's a beautiful thing reading those letters. I, um, I, I know that we, uh, there's a quote from Mother Teresa, because she's my hero, my other hero. Um, there's, a, there's a quote. When we talk about trafficking, there are six, uh, th nine billion slaves right now. No, no, I'm getting the I'm getting the facts wrong. I don't have my <coughs> statistics in front of me, but it's it's um, nine million, nine million slaves, and oh, I forget how many are sold into trafficking every year. I need to I need to read my stuff again, but it's growing. It's growing. It's in every country. Um, uh, sadly, Cambodia is and, and Thailand are the hub because they're, 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 the countries were so poor because the Khmer Rouge and all that um, that they've really they've really struggled to get their their, their government back on its feet. So there's no laws to protect women and children, but it's everywhere. And and my friend is constantly asked, how can you ever? You'll never make a difference. You can't stop this. And um, she her message was always. You can't, but you can help the child in front of you. And this is a quote from Mother Teresa. A journalist once questioned Mother Teresa of Calcutta about her hopeless task of rescuing the destitute in that city. He said that, statistically speaking, she was accomplishing absolutely nothing. This remarkable little woman shot back that her work was about love, not statistics. Notwithstanding the staggering number beyond her reach, she said she could keep the commandment to love God and her neighbor by serving those within her reach with whatever resources she had. What we do is nothing but a drop in the ocean, she would say on another occasion. But if we didn't do it, the ocean would be one drop less than it is. And soberly, the journalist concluded that Christianity is obviously not a statistical endeavor. He reasoned that if there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents, and over the 99 who need no repentance, then apparently God is not overly preoccupied with percentages. Um, and I told my friend, she gets very down. Um, she's my age, actually. She's 51, and she um, has four kids, two of her own. She's adopted her, her daughter. And then she has all these 7,000 girls who call her mum. And um, anyway, but she gets down. She gets really down, and she has her share of criticism just like Mother Teresa did. I mean, can you believe anyone criticized her? But anyway, um, so I told her one time the starfish story, and I know you know that story, but I like to quote it to her, and she wears a little starfish now to help her remember. But there's a story of the man walking along a beach, and for miles and miles, as far as he can see, there are washed up starfish. The whole beaches are covered with them. And he walks along the beach, and a mile or two down the beach, he sees a little boy. And the little boy is picking up starfish and throwing them back in the sea. And he laughs at him, and he says, hey, you know, you're, you, you can't save them all. There's, you know, you, there's so many of them, there's thousands. And he picks up, and the little boy didn't care. And he just picks up another starfish, 
and he throws it in the sea. You said, I helped that one, didn't I? And that's kind of our message, Heart Mother's message, is that no, we can't end trafficking. We cannot defeat that Goliath, but we can help the child in front of us. <coughs> um, and I am so grateful for, for my, my part in, in, um, in their lives. They've changed my life. These kids, I've never met one of them who has had the victim attitude. They all are happy. This was the amazing part. I think my biggest, my biggest shock in meeting them was I was terrified to meet. I was, I wanted to more than anything, especially Sri Mac, but I was terrified because I knew these would be disturbed, messed up kids. They have been through hell and back. I mean, literally, and um, and I, that has its effect on people. And uh, I was amazed to see how happy they were and I thought wow you know we stayed the week and you know little fusses but no fights there was no bullying there was no you'd wake up in the morning and you're in a locked room so that just in case it got raided or something for our safety but we'd look across the courtyard and the first thing we'd see at 5 a.m. they'd get up is all the big girls are standing behind the wall and the little girls are, are sitting on the wall and the big girls have showered them from a water thing that comes off the roof collecting rainwater and doing their hair and it was their moms and that's how they think of each other they're a family and it's beautiful and every year I go I've been going for 12 years now I think every year I go it never ceases to amaze me. This is not a show. This is not put on for visitors. This is how they are. There was one little girl who, I remember when she was rescued, Matita, she, she had been through a lot like Stray Max and very, very serious stuff, and her personality switched off. And by the time Somali rescued her, she said, there's no hope for her. And I said, what are you going to do? And she goes, well, we have to keep her here. There's nowhere else for her. She'll just be right back. And, um, and she says, but there's no, there, there, we can't save her. She can just be here. So she was never expected to speak or even, I mean, her eyes were dead. And um, two years after that, I went to visit. And I was introduced to the new girls. And there were there were some girls doing the dishes. And when I say doing the dishes, literally a slab of concrete in like a little, with a little rim around it. And that's, it's very, very basic. And there were two girls and they turned around and smiled and waved and I asked their names and one little girl said, Motita. And I just, it shook me to my core, that was the little girl. And I said to her run with, I said, is that Motita who came two years ago that, you know, was really shut down? Because yeah, he said, she's been our little miracle. She, she was the one we had no hope for. And yet now she's doing great. And now I'm happy to report Motita is in university and she's number two in her math class. And, and you think all that they've been through, there is hope. And so I guess my message is this Mother's Day on hope that we, I've, I mean, I'm lucky, I'm very, very lucky. I've had six healthy kids. We've had our share of problems too, but, but basically we're very lucky. And I, I know the heartache of miscarriage. I've lost a late term baby myself. And I know 
I know Mother's Day is a particularly hard day for a lot of people for many, many reasons. And I just hope that this Mother's Day you can know that Christ loves you and that he is in your life. He took a little kid from, like me, from England who was really, my mum died, she committed suicide when I was nine. I was the one who found her. Um, and, and so we were extremely poor because of that, just my dad and back then, it, anyway, a whole new world. But um, I, I, I was the kind of kid never even had a voice. And now I speak all over the United States and I travel and, and, uh, and I think he could take a little kid like me and if he can use me as a tool to help those kids, even though my part isn't very big, my part is small, I know he's there. And oh, that one experience I want to quickly share with you before I close and tell me if I'm going too long. I had, we had an experience two years ago, a new little girl was rescued. She was six, seven years old. And uh, her story was, was again, hellish. And it was probably the worst thing I'd ever heard in my life. <coughs> and it broke my heart. It literally broke me. And I, I didn't know how I was gonna get through that experience and come home and leave her. I couldn't leave her. And um, I was, as I was holding her, and so upset and so broken, I literally felt the arms of the Savior around me. And he said, in my mind, you don't have to understand all this. You don't have to understand why crap happens. These awful things happen. But know that I love them. And they are in my hand. And I was filled this with the amazing spirit. And I knew that I don't understand it all. I don't know why these kids have to go through it. But he is there. And I testify of him in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Awesome. I love to hear that. And um, thank you for coming and sharing that with us today and, and being here and, and being a part. And I encourage you, uh, women, go get your cupcake. But not only that, there's pictures back there and spend some time uh, here and more. And if you want to get involved in some way, uh, I encourage you to do that and uh, be a part. We're, we're making a contribution not only for the cupcakes, but also to, to Ruth and for, for Heart Mothers today for her being here with us. But if God leads you to do something in addition to that, I encourage you to do that. I want to share with you briefly just from Luke 10 today. Uh, Luke 10, if you want to turn there. I once heard a story of a mother who, like many women in our church, she had a long day filled with a thousand different uh, things that, that women do in the course of a day. She worked hard all day. And then uh, also there was the extra time and effort spent caring for her family and serving for others. And at the end of the day, it came time to put her son to bed on the eve of his fifth birthday. And she was trying to communicate that birthday idea to him. And Kevin, she said, what? This is the, do you know that this is the last night of your fourth year? And do you understand that? And he was ready to communicate with his hands. For a full year, he'd been showing people that he was he was four years old, and and now uh, she was trying to let him know that t t the next day he could add a, a thumb and have his whole hand because he was going to be five years old. So she said, when you go to sleep tonight, you'll still be four years old, but do you know how old you'll be when you wake up in the morning? And Kevin nodded enthusiastically and added his thumb to his four little fingers, and he said, tomorrow I'll be a handful. 
and truer words have probably never been spoken. And there's a lot of women here today that can relate to having their hands full. That's um, nothing new for women. I want to share with you a passage of scripture from Luke 10 about another woman who also had her hands full of many things and what she learned about the one most important thing in the midst of many things. And so if you'll turn to Luke chapter 10, verse 38, I'll give you some background. Mary and Martha were two sisters who were as different as night and day. Martha was the picture of the perfect hostess. She loved to entertain company. If, she had, if there had been such magazines in her day, Martha certainly would have been a subscriber to Southern Israeli Living uh, or Better Homes and Gardens. Uh, the, some of you are just getting that. It's okay. Uh, the Bible doesn't tell us, but perhaps her last name was even Stuart. I don't know. But Martha is a perfectionist, and yet she's her, worst, her own worst enemy. She sets expectations that she can never meet. She's never able to completely rest and be content. Life for Martha is always an unfinished task. On the other hand, Mary, Martha's sister, is not much into the hostess scene. It's not that Mary doesn't enjoy also having company over, but Mary's more interested in the conversation than in the day's menu. And when you drop in at Mary's house for a visit, she may have you go fetch your own cup of iced tea. It's not that Mary doesn't care. Mary just takes life as it comes and and material comforts and hostess graces are not as important to her as other things. So one time while Jesus was at the home of Mary and Martha, Mary broke out a, a very expensive uh, bottle of fragrant perfume and she anointed Jesus with oil. This was an expression of Mary's love and, and devotion to Jesus. And some of Jesus' disciples became infuriated with her. And we don't see Martha having that kind of, of expression of her love to Christ. She expressed it in different ways through, through service and through work. And that's where we find them in, in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. While they're traveling, it says that Jesus entered a village and a, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. And she came up and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? So tell her to give me a hand. And the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice, and it will not be taken from her. There's a stark contrast between these two sisters, Martha and Mary, and it's obvious. Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. Martha is busy with much serving. Mary is enthralled as she sits at the feet of the Savior. Martha is enraged as she busily paces back and forth from the kitchen to the living room. The visit doesn't seem to have been planned from what we can tell. It appears that Jesus didn't, didn't call before he, he showed up. Maybe he didn't RSVP and give notice that he and also his 12 friends would be coming along with him for dinner. And because of the short notice, there was much work to do if dinner was going to be on the table. It didn't take long for Martha to become stressed and angry at the fact that Mary was sitting while she was serving. It's easy to focus on Martha's apparent frustration and anger, but I want you to consider her in a different light. Martha's not really a bad person. In fact, she's a woman of dedication. She's a doer. I can just imagine she's the kind of woman that probably seldom complains and never misses the smallest details, and she can always be counted on when you need her. Martha is certainly a commendable woman. Thank God for the Marthas of this world. The story is not to teach us that serving is bad and that sitting is good. Under different circumstances, serving may have been the best course of action. And Martha wasn't 
all wrong. I want you to, to consider a couple ways that Martha got it right. The Bible tells us that she was the one that welcomed Jesus into her home. She immediately went to work showing true hospitality. She was trying to show her love for God by what she did and how she worked. And we do this sometimes too. And while working for God is commendable, it's not a replacement for time with him. The Bible says that Martha got distracted by her many tasks and she became frustrated by her sister's lack of attention to what needed to be done. But there's two specific things that I believe that she got right. Number one is that I believe that Martha knew where to go when she was struggling. When Martha became disgruntled at the unfairness of her situation, she wasted no time in taking her concern to Jesus. There's something to be said for knowing who can really help. She goes straight to the highest authority in the room and, and commands Jesus to make my sister come and help me. When we're struggling and our temptation is to share our problems with everyone else, we tell mom about it. It's another burden that moms carry. We post it on social media, but oftentimes we neglect to take it to the one who can actually fix the thing, the one who can actually make a difference. Jesus went, Mary went to Jesus first. That wasn't the only thing she got right. I think she, she went to Jesus first because she understood that she could tell Jesus anything. Martha wasn't right in all of the things that she did. In fact, her priorities were, were a little misguided in this situation. She had the right motives, but she had the wrong methods. But it's interesting that Jesus didn't rebuke her for her words. He didn't ask her if she knew who she was talking to. Jesus accepts her where she is, as she is. And he lovingly points her in the right direction. You know, we have that kind of relationship with Jesus also. Mar Martha and Mary and this family, Lazarus, this is, this is that family. They're special to Jesus. He loved them. He cared about them in the same way that he loves you and I. He cares about us. And we have the kind of relationship that we can go to him. And even when we're, we're misguided, even when we're off track, we can tell him anything. When you're emotional, stressed, frustrated, even when you're not right, you're still loved. Now I want to share with you how Mary got it right. As the Mary-Martha story unfolds, we find Mary smack in the middle of the living room, sitting with the boys, soaking up Jesus' words. She's not concerned by the work that needs to be done or the fact that Mary's fuming. She's focused on one thing. And it's easy to really feel for Martha when you see where she's coming from and her frustration with Mary. But let me share with you how Mary got it right. Mary knew that what is good is not always what's best. In life, you're going to have many opportunities to do many good things. But if you do all the good things, you'll miss out on some of the God things. You'll miss out on some of the great things. Because what is good is not always what's best. Mary knew that her priority in life should be her relationship with Jesus, not just an agenda for him. The second thing is that, that Mary knew the one thing. Jesus said, Martha, you're troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken from her. Martha got troubled and distracted by so many things, but Mary was focused on just one thing, the one thing that mattered, sitting at the feet of Jesus. That's why in John 12, she could pour the expensive jar of perfume on Jesus. She was criticized for that waste. Then, just like she was being criticized for her actions now, but, but here's Mary's secret. She didn't care. Only one thing mattered, and it was the right thing. I love how Ruth shared about the criticism that, that they've received through this, this organization. 
And, and those things, you can feel those things, but when you're focused on what really matters, those things become less and less. Mary was focused on one thing, and it was the right thing. Jesus reminded Martha, and he reminds us today what to be concerned with, where to focus, and what should take a front row seat in our brains, and that's, that's our relationship with him. And here's how we can get it right. Busyness and stress and anxiety are not exclusive to Mary, Martha, or Bible times. The struggle to prioritize and multitask and trying to make the right decisions and the issues that we face every day as well happen. In many ways, Martha blew it, and, and so do we so many times. Mary set an example for us, but there's lessons that we can learn from both of them so that we can get it right. And here's a couple of those things. Number one, know that comparison breeds anxiety and discontent. Comparison never tells the full story. No two stories are exactly the same. Comparison doesn't change your story or theirs. It only steals your joy in the process. Martha was stressed out because of what she had to do, and she was mad because she had to do so much in comparison to Mary, who was doing so little. I said last week, when we compare and compete, we live in defeat. Don't measure yourself in comparison to others. No matter how good they look, no matter how bad they are, either way, if, you're, if, you, if you see somebody else and you're like, man, I could never be that good, you're going to have anxiety and defeat. If you look at someone else and say, man, why are they such a, a, a slouch? Why are they sitting there doing nothing while I'm doing everything? It's still going to cause you anxiety. Do you want anxiety? Then try to be someone else or compare yourself to someone else. Good or bad, you're going to get stressed. Do you want to have joy? Then just be who God created you to be. The second thing that we can learn is that you are not superwoman or superman in this case for us guys. God's priority is not your performance, but how you prioritize his presence. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 tells us that it's by grace that we've been saved through faith. It's, this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us. The good works that we do are in response to the fact that, that we've been made alive in Christ. He's prepared those good works for us to do, but those are not the things that save us. Those are not the things that, that make a difference in our lives. It's a gift from him. It's not anything that we can do or anything that we can earn. We're not Superman. We're not Superwoman. It's not about, about what we can do to earn it. It's not about us or our works. It's about him. He made us alive, and it's not anything that we've done or that we can do. And in response to that, we get to, to do things. We get to serve him. We get to live for him. Another thing that we can learn is that knowing is to know that pleasing God is more important than pleasing others. Most moms I know are selfless. They live to please others. They give selflessly for their families. They sacrifice what they need to give to, what they need to give others what they want. But remember, Mom, that pleasing God is more important than pleasing others. Moms are good at putting others first, and that's fine. But remember to put Jesus first, and then others, and then you can put yourself. And if we do that, Jesus is the J, others is the O, and, and yourself is the Y. You'll experience joy. The fourth thing is to know that God cares about you even when you get it wrong. We're not always going to have the right priorities. Sometimes we're going to blow it. We'll get busy and distracted like Martha. We'll miss the time that we need at Jesus' feet. 
We get so busy doing so many things for God that we forget that we need God and we can't do anything without Him. And when we forget and get stressed and troubled by many things and when we look and compare ourselves to others, He reminds us of the one thing that matters most. Not in a harsh way, but in a loving way that reminds us that we can find peace and rest in Him. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, it says, Come to me, all you who, are, who labor and are heavy laden. What is heavy laden? Well, it probably includes distracted and anxious and tired and frustrated. And he says, I will give you rest. We will often get it wrong, but God cares about us. And if we will listen, he'll show us how we can get it right. Jesse, if you want to come and just begin to play softly, I want to wrap up everything that we've heard today, which is this, is that Martha, she was right to welcome Jesus. She had the right motives in wanting to serve him well. But she learned that doing for God is not substitute for time with God. Many of us find it easier to serve than to receive. And God wants us to serve, but we can't give out what we don't have. We can't give out what we haven't received from him. Whether this is to moms that are busy serving others and taking care of others and just struggle to find that personal time to spend with Christ or for, for others of us that we get so busy with other things, sometimes even doing the good things that we forget the one thing. We get so busy even doing work for God that we just forget to spend time with God. I want to challenge you today to remember the one thing. Remember the one thing that really matters in the midst of it all. Remember that you have a Savior who's alive and wants to spend time with you. What does that look like? How do you do this? Well, I've, I've heard it said that a good way is to, to tithe to God of your free time. So if you're awake like 13 to 14 hours, you go to work like eight or nine hours, there's about five hours of free time, 300 minutes. What if you made it your goal and maybe you have to work up to it, but you're going to tithe of those 300 minutes and spend 30 minutes with him every day. Well, what is, what do I do for 30 minutes? That's a long time. Well, we, we get busy, we're, we're distracted, we're Martha's, all that kind of stuff. But when you begin to just spend that time with him every day, 30 minutes really isn't a lot. Maybe you start with five and, and you work up to 10 and you work up to 15. But there's a lot of things you can do. You can read a, a chapter of scripture and, and reflect on that, personalize it, apply it to your life. God, what are you speaking to me? What is what is this scripture that was written thousands of years ago, that, but, but that you want to speak to me through what is it what does it mean how does it apply to my life and my situation you can put on a worship song and, and just spend some time meditating and reflecting on what god wants to speak to you some time spent in prayer you say well i don't know how to pray for longer than about 30 seconds well get a prayer journal and begin to write things down because as we go through the day and through the week people ask us to pray for all kinds of things and we agree to do it with best intentions but like martha we get distracted and focused on other things. And I wonder how often we forget to pray for the things that we could pray for. So if you just begin to write those things down, or maybe you keep a note on your phone. And when, when you agree to pray for someone or for something, you begin to write those things down. And then you begin to, to chart the things that, that you're, you're personally praying and asking God for in your life and, and, and different things. And you'll see how that list will begin to grow. And if you just spend, you know, 30 seconds praying on each one of those before long, your prayer time has increased from two to three minutes to five minutes to ten minutes, and, and you'll find it really easy to hit whatever your goal is of spending time with Him. 
It requires turning off the TV, sometimes turning off the phone and the distractions. It requires maybe waking up 30 minutes early so you can have that undistracted time. Get alone. Maybe a back porch is a great spot. Maybe it's a favorite coffee shop that you like to go to and spend time. Maybe, maybe you have that room in your house that's just can be perfect for you. Find the spot. It'll become the best five or 10 or 15, 30 minutes of your day. And, and you'll get to, to spend that time that Mary spent understanding that, yeah, there's things that need to be done, but there's nothing more important than being with the Savior. The one thing. So I want to ask you today, how many of you would honestly say, you know what, I'm guilty of being Martha. I go, I do, I perform. Sometimes I compare myself to others. I get mad at people that are not doing as much as me and I try to run harder when I see people doing more than me. I'm stressed out, I'm mad that others aren't keeping up, but I realize that I've become distracted by many things that I've neglected oftentimes the time with the very Jesus that I'm trying to serve. And I don't want to miss the one thing that really matters. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand? I'd like to pray for you today. Would you say, would you, would you pray for me? Would you include me in your prayer? Awesome. God, I thank you today for hands all over this room that will acknowledge and say, you know what? We're, we're a busy culture, a busy society. We've got a lot going on. We often commit to too much and we don't plan margin in our lives. And we get distracted by so many things and oftentimes the things that get crowded out of our lives are the things that really matter. So God, I pray that you would just help us to reprioritize our lives. Lord, there's, there's things that we have to do. Sometimes it is busy, but God, I pray that in the midst of all of that, we wouldn't forget the one thing that really matters. God, I pray for moms that are tired and that are stressed, that have done so much for so many others. God, I pray that today they would just find that peace that you offer. In Matthew 11, 28, when you say, come to me, all you who labor, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. God, I pray that they would find rest in you. God, I pray for those that aren't moms but are still burning at both ends, running, tired, stressed out. God, I pray that you'd give strength, help us to reprioritize our lives, help us to focus on the things that really matter. God, we're so thankful for, for women in our church, in our community like Ruth, who shared today that are doing so much incredible things. God, I, I, I rejoice with that. And Lord, I believe as we read today that you've created us to do good works that you prepared in advance for us. So God, I pray that as we commit to do things for you, as we talked about last week, using the gifts and talents that you've placed inside of us, Lord, that, that you would bless and prosper those things. But God, help us to remember what really matters most is the time spent with you, the one that we're, we're attempting to serve. Lord, give, give that encounter, that time, that margin, that space to each person here. Lord, as they set priorities and goals of spending time with you, whether it's starting with five minutes or working up to maybe 30 minutes, God, whatever it is, God, I pray that you would just meet them in those times and those would be rewarding times. Lord, that their relationship would grow with you. Lord, that they, like Mary, could understand how valuable the time at your feet is. They would develop such a love and a passion for you that it would be nothing to take an expensive jar of perfume and pour it on you along with their praise because you're the what matters most in life. God, we thank you so much for it. 
So we thank you for who you are, for this time that we have together. In your name we pray. Amen.